0: everyone thank you so much for tuning into today's continuation of a catholic sex talk for women with emily Frazy from total wine i cannot wait for you to hear the rest of our conversation about having a catholic sex life and catholic sex talk of course nfp is back in the mix but emily does some things to dismantle purity culture and when we say purity culture We don't mean purity is bad we just mean that there's a culture around being pure that somehow doesn't allow catholic women to experience the fullness of the truth of joy in their marriage well i can't wait for you to hear what emily has to share there are some laughs there's some dark stuff in here too but we need to talk about it so grab some wine and have a seat throw on your headphones Listen in because this is important for you and your marriage is worth it. So right. some of the things you were saying, I'm we're gonna get into this in a minute here, but the book Holy Sex by um, Dr. Gregory Popcak is one of my favorite all-time books because it actually goes into detail from Catholic perspective about like what is okay why is it okay how is this okay and it just like breaks it down in this way that as we kind of mentioned before we started recording sometimes we can get a little ferris about like you know like we are the pharisees we do it all right we don't want to do anything wrong right. well we by the book and we have we
1: can't smile like congratulations like
0: <laughs> and it doesn't just have to be missionary there's there's
1: more no, no, <laughs> um, no. just another question there. they were like can you have sex in another mission besides or another position besides missionary i'm like yes <laughs> like i know i was i was having a discussion the other day i was like you know we really need like a catholic kama sutra really do like let's just because i mean we get so much there's so much out there about sex except within the catholic church like we need somebody to just sit down and write us a manual you know (laughs) right like and use use the
0: real terms use the term clitoris use the term vagina use the term penis
1: but yes don't have models (laughs) like Like some out some pencil outline drawings like I don't know like
0: (laughs) yes okay so you were talking about purity culture a little bit and I just kind of want to share my own My husband would be like, I can't believe you're talking about this, but whatever. (laughs) That's what your husband does too, right? (laughs) Well, my husband's like,
1: I don't understand why this is a problem for people. And I'm like, well, (laughs) that's a little elitist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, I
0: grew up thinking that sex was like simultaneously shameful, but also that it was desirable. And I think part of this really was that sex wasn't talked about. And then I attended Catholic schools. So of course they want you to be abstinent because you should be abstinent from sex before marriage, right? Right. Like sex has a place in marriage and not before. If you happen to have had sex before marriage, God has forgiveness for you. So don't get hung up on that. But what I wanted to say is that like the way sex was talked about literally all through my teenage years was that sex is bad, all caps. It's like, I can't remember what movie it's from. Maybe 10 things I hate about you. But like the dad says, or maybe it's from mean girls. If you have sex, you will get pregnant and you will die. That sounds
1: like 10 things I hate about you.
0: Yeah. Okay. I can't remember what movie it's from, but anyways. Yeah. I was like, that's basically what my understanding of sex was through my teenage years. So anyways, I, uh, I go to college, I meet my husband, and we end up getting married, I get married, and I'm 21. So that is not far removed from teenage years, right? Like, no, I turned 22 a week later. But anyways, (laughs) like, that's, I got married very early on in my 20s. And that's fine. But all of a sudden, there was like this switch, and like everybody's like making jokes about sex all of a sudden. And I'm like so uncomfortable with like. What happened? Yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm so confused. And I just remember being like, I don't want to see anybody the day after we get married because they're all going to know. It was just like so weird to me. But you know, it was like, oh man, our honeymoon was so difficult because like you said you have to get to know a person and like we had such conflicting ideas about what sex is and how it works and what was going to be good and like what to expect and then i still had all this mental baggage about like sex is bad i'm going to get pregnant and die on top of it i'm also like okay i have to do nfp now so i'm really going to get pregnant and die <laughs>
1: like Your cycle is like can we just level off
0: please <laughs> <laughs> i can't do it so anyways the the moral of the story is that seven years later, we went on a second type of honeymoon, which everybody needs to go on a honeymoon every couple of years. Like go on a honeymoon after you get married and then go on a honeymoon again, like two years later, three years after that, like just keep going on honeymoons and call them that because it was much, much better because we knew each other better and we knew what we yeah. wanted and we knew what worked. And I wasn't ashamed about yeah. sex anymore, but, you know, I really want to know what you would say about like, how should we be talking to kids here like about sex and this sort of like purity in and of itself is good like we should be chased right but then there's this purity culture that's messed up and so I'm just curious can you kind of talk to that about like this taboo and the way that it just like flips and how damaging that is and like how can we rectify that is there any way that you can think of
1: oh yeah Uh, there's a lot of things um (laughs) (laughs) am on the table i am not I am not short on opinions in case you couldn't tell um no i I think that you know the way that we were taught you know and so I mean your your story is sadly not unique at all um I mean i I hear that story all the time probably I mean yeah multiple times a week it's like I was told that sex is bad and I was like I get married and now I'm all of a sudden supposed to be like some sex goddess between the sheets and it's like That's well cool. how does this happen it's like it doesn't it doesn't um right and it's uh i, I think that it's it's the ro- purity culture is the wrong approach because what you what it does is is it says well you need to abstain you need to it's it's, it's focusing on the negative right you can't do this you can't do you can't do, you can't do this it's like okay well that's a little old testament thank you um but jesus came for us to have life abundantly which I'm a sanguine. So I interpret that as we're supposed to have fun. Um, anyway, so (laughs) I, uh, I I think that, you know, we have to focus on chastity. It's a positive virtue. It's not a negative. Don't, don't have sex. Don't have sex. Virginity is great. Abstinence is great. Like, or, you know, abstain or else you're going to like die because what a horrible sin. It's like, well, actually, I mean, it's a horrible sin, but so are a lot of other things, you know, like gossiping is literally murdering someone with your words. Like, I mean, are we ranking these things? I know we have mortal and venial sins here, but like, guys, like anyway, so I mean, we have to focus on chastity and, and focusing on chastity is a positive virtue that you have to practice your entire life, whether you don't get married or you do, Right. And that the practice of that virtue looks different in different stages of your life. As someone who is unmarried, it looks a certain way. As someone who is married, it looks like fidelity, right? I still have to practice chastity, even though I'm married, because it's not celibacy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, By being faithful to my husband. And not just don't go have an affair. It's like, no, like, how am I, like am I like watching thing? Am I doing anything? Am I using anything that replaces him? Mm -hmm. Right. Sexually, physically, like whatever, emotionally, am I using a thing or a person in place of my spouse? Right. So that chastity looks like that kind of within a marriage. Right. Um, So I think that that's huge is that you know, and I, I did like one of those like purity balls with my dad and he gave me like the purity ring and all of that type of stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's sweet. But to me, it's like the wrong focus is like, my dad is not, he was not, he was not meant to be, nor would he always be my guardian. Right. Like, I mean, my, my dad kind of, I'm getting a little tangent. My dad kind of raised me. He was like, you know, you're going to go out into the world I just need to like raise you to the best of my ability so that you can go meet whatever you're going to meet and take it on, you know, cause I'm not going to be there all the time. And I think that that's a much better approach is that you have to equip your children and you have to approach it as I am not going to be there when you're on your phone and all of a sudden you see a pornographic image and you have no idea what to do, but I can have that conversation with you and say, Hey, look, if you see an image uh, if you're scrolling your tablet, if you're over at a friend's house and they're doing something like, come tell me if it makes you uncomfortable, come talk to me. I'm, it's not, I'm not going to punish you. Like, let's talk about this because what we know is, is that especially when you're talking about porn, it, it wants to be hidden, right? It, it's, do you feel that instant shame? And, and that's the worst thing right? Is that hiding that shame? It's like, no, no, no. You need to establish those very open lines of communication. So what I do with my kids, um, we use, uh, scientifically scientific terminology for their anatom, for their body parts. And like, I'll do this with my daughter when she's taking a bath. I'm like, okay, where's your head? Where's your eyes? Where's your nose? Where's your belly? Where's your vagina? Where's your butt? Where's your back? Where's your toes? You know, I mean, we just, we just go down the line. Like
0: it's well, not a ideal to be ashamed of, Okay, so
1: this actually brings me
0: to a funny story. One of my friends, she is amazing. She is a forensics scientist. And um, so she sees a lot of bad stuff. She sees a lot of rape cases and things like that, which is not Mm -hmm. the focus. But they have to have people define what they call their body parts. yeah. And it's because anatomically, like, people are so uncomfortable with – the word vagina and penis. And so yeah, I have the three daughters. The
1: thing I've heard is people are like, I don't want them to shout it at the grocery store. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that is the funniest story to tell about your kids when they grow up. And it was like this one time I was at the checkout line and you just shouted that like your vagina hurt. Like that's hysterical. Like, <laughs> like, like uh, I, 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 I feel like I know where you're going and yeah, it's, I, it's horrifying.
0: It is. It's so, like, some of the things people, people say uh, that they call their, their physical body parts, like, they know
1: I've heard cookie. Oh, yep. Cookie box. Oh, <laughs> so if someone touches your cookie box, that doesn't translate at all. Right. Well, and that's the other thing, yeah. too. So I was
0: talking to my husband and he is like, uh, I am raising three daughters right now. Actually, our fourth is a son. So ah, there you go. go. <laughs> and I'm laughing so hard because I had to have a, um, I had to have an a late ultrasound just to check growth. And the ultrasound tech, of course, prints all the pictures and there's one of his penis. It's so funny. I'm just like, Whoa, what world? Other than My when you're going, and, like, <laughs> it's like, why, why why did you feel the need to give me this picture but anyway I, it was it's funny because it's like you know it, it's like right in the middle of the big roll of all the pictures she took the baby's fine and it's definitely a boy I have no worries about that right now <laughs> I had to talk to my girls I had to say like hey when you're when your brother's born he has a different private yeah. part than you it's called a penis and Gabriella my oldest she was like Okay, what's it called? And I was like, and I want you to know because if somebody starts talking to you about a penis, I want you to be able to come and tell me and know like that's a word that I shouldn't be hearing unless mom or dad is like changing our my brother's diaper. So and yeah. When I had this conversation with with my husband that I talked to her about that, he was like, I'm so glad you already talked to her about that. Like <laughs> you to tell her. it's just like it was so funny, but yeah. then my second she had been in daycare and so she potty trained, and they don't like separate the kids for potty training. They just, oh, fun. They just use the potty that's in their room. And so I was explaining this to her. She's like, oh, yeah, boys have a private part that sticks out. It's fine. I was like, okay, like yeah, you're five and you know this. All right. Like, I love I it. This. and she's like, I love
1: okay, it. I'm going to go play Barbies. <laughs> like, all right. Well, it's, just, it's wonderful because it's like, it, it is these are not gross parts. No. God made these parts. They are good. They are good. And if we, I, I had a friend of mine who like, she was told to call her vagina, her hiney. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I called my butt, my hiney. Like everybody who hears hiney is like, that's your butt, you know, like, which is very different if like somebody touches your butt versus your hiney. Right. I mean, like, um, I just it's it's bizarre to me like I when I was hearing like all of the sexual abuse stuff this is where it like really hit me I was like I have to teach my children like these body parts and like what they're for that they're good Um, like I don't let my kids run around um around like even my parents naked I mean they're like three and two so they're really young mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm like it's not about like me worrying about my parents doing anything it's like no I want them to know that it's not okay to be naked around other people. Mm-hmm. That like, no, like, I don't want them to be comfortable with that. Because once you know that, like, frankly, purity culture, it, it frankly harbors and protects sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And I've heard so many horror stories about women who didn't even know that they were raped because they were not told um, what sex was. And these were grunt, like late teens, right? Mm-hmm. Late teens. And they didn't know about consent and they didn't know that they had a right to say no and they didn't know what sex was and they didn't know they were raped. And like this is, this is the, the consequence of being squeamish about talking about sex is that you are teaching your children, you're not teaching your children not to learn about sex you're teaching them to learn that they will learn about sex in very unhealthy ways. And they will never communicate with you at all. That's what you're facilitating. And so I, yeah, not not to take it really dark, but, but I mean, that's real. Like that's real. That is, that is absolutely terrifying, but like,
0: that is, you know, I mean, especially it's like one thing if you have, you know, multiple gender kids and then your yep. kids are just growing up like, oh, yep. Like my brother has a penis and I have this, but like my kids, my oldest is seven. And I was yeah. like, I have to have a conversation with her about this because yes. she needs to be able to tell me, Yep. first of all, she needs to be able to understand what it is. And then she needs to be able to articulate to me in case, because. Right it's a terrifying thing that we live in a world where sexual abuse is so prevalent, but it is, but it is. And yeah. so we, we have, have to talk to our history. kids about it.
1: Yeah. And, and you we have, have to, talk- kids. yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll just keep talking. We have to talk to our teenagers about sex in a way that doesn't shame it, but also right. that sets it up as a good of
1: marriage. Like, right. And it just, I-, I, I, I tell my kids, like, I even say this to them now, like, we'll be watching like a movie and then all like, or something. Um, and then all of a sudden, there will be the scene that pops up. And even though like my daughter's like three years old, she doesn't really know what's going on yet. Um, but like I cover her eyes and I'm like, honey, I was like, it's a very wonderful thing that they're doing when you do it right. <laughs> like, <laughs> when you do it in a certain context and a certain framework, it is wonderful. When you don't, bad things happen.
0: <laughs> like- Can I tell you a story just real quick that I think is gonna make you laugh? Um okay. because it's I a totally horrible, so cute. <laughs> <laughs> culture. Um, gone wrong. I remember at my junior year retreat, um, we had to go on these retreats a couple of times a year through my school. So I was a junior, I think, maybe a sophomore. I, I can't remember. The point was, I wasn't a freshman. I wasn't a senior. Those were fun. But <laughs> the middle years, one of them, we went and we sat and they talked to us about how like bad sex was. And it was like, awful and i remember that the the woman who was leading this retreat was talking about how like um she was talking about like masturbation and like if you masturbated your boyfriend or something, like, even if you were wearing underwear, the sperm could still crawl through and you could still get pregnant and die. (laughs) Like, I just, like this, like, no wonder why I had such baggage about sex. I'm sorry, husband, but like these people, I know they meant well, but this was not a healthy way to talk about sex to a group of teenagers. Especially, like,
1: what? No. (laughs) yeah i sorry, I'm not laughing at that one. That was horrifying. like what is wrong with these people like I, I mean, like you're not like i said you're not you're not a an isolated case. <laughs> right. um but no, it's this negative. it's like how, how how does it make any sense for us to approach something that God invented, the most powerful thing that God invented to connect two people? How does it serve God and humanity to instill a deep-seated fear of that beauty? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And and, and we, we say this all the time. Like, we quote Jesus. Like, Jesus always said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. But for the love of God, if you don't be afraid of this, like, you're going to die. Because, like, how does that make any... Like, how do we make that leap? Like, I just... It doesn't, like, again, it's that pendulum swing where we have this heavily eroticized culture. So it's like, well, let's make pleasure look awful. It's like, well, no, because pleasure is great. It's wonderful. We love it. God invented it. right? It has rules. That's it. Right. And the rules are meant to protect us. And... to to, to keep us also it's to prevent us from using others exactly and using using ourselves right Mm -hmm. it's the rules are not are not there to confine us and limit us the rules are there to free us for love from use right like it's not just a negative it's also very much a positive exactly so just to
0: clarify um yes they said that masturbation was bad which is true like you do not want to masturbate you want to it's have
1: of, like sperm like sw- flying through air like what
0: <laughs> but the the other part that they did say the part that was the problem was that like sperm will crawl through your underwear and you will get pregnant and die um that that was really the problem there so i have no issues with the catholic teaching about masturbation and the fact that they told us masturbation is bad but the it was it the,
1: that the way they went about it <laughs> that was really wrong um so now you're gonna have a lot of hang-ups about getting pregnant and so you're probably more likely to get on birth control which just like how like the, oh this like people who don't think through the words that come out of their mouths, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Scare
0: tactics it's are like, not it. chastity education. Okay. Right. <laughs> let right. say it louder. Scare tactics are not chastity
1: education. Because all you're doing is you're 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 telling half truths, right? Like masturbation is wrong. True. Um, sperm are gonna crawl through your underwear and you're gonna get pregnant and die, false. Um, and anytime you have that, you create, I mean, you, you create a situation where when people find out the truth, and they find out that you lied, it's anger, and it's rebellion, right? Like you, you rebel against that, but you rebel against all of it, even the true stuff, Right. So it's like, that's why it's very, very important that you just, you speak honestly and it's like, look, sex is great. It's, I have absolutely no intention of telling my children otherwise, but what makes sex wonderful is when you connect with one person for life. That's what makes it awesome, right? Like, that's how I'm going to talk to them about it, like... It's not, it's not like the, they portray these one. I might even like when my daughter becomes a teenager and like if we're, I'm watching a movie with her and it's like a PG 13 rom-com and a sex scene pops up, I'm just going to be sitting there as a critic. Like that's wrong. That's wrong. That's that didn't happen. Like, no, she's not losing her mind. Like she's going to hate me, but I don't care. Like I'm going to instill some realistic expectations of sex. Like <laughs>
0: Nobody needs to Do it somewhere. Like no hey. one has realistic expectations of sex. Uh, no no none of us did when we got married no no but none of us not from yeah but that's why that second honeymoon a couple years down the road is really good oh yeah like you know what you're doing hey (laughs) oh um okay so we have kind of like we've talked about a whole bunch of things and of some of the questions that i sent you i feel like we've already really covered in a roundabout way so the last question that i have for you is um probably actually really ties into the database that you're hoping and working towards building. But I just wanted to talk about how um, NFP gets pushed around on the internet. And like I have seen on different internet forums, people asking about NFP. And then these Catholic women are like, use this method, use this method, use this method. Like this one's the best, like, oh my gosh. And anyways, I feel very strongly that everybody loves to like peddle their NFP method. It's like the best thing that ever happened to them. But I'm really curious, like based on your experience and the fact that there are so many different methods, like, do you have a preferred method? What would you say? Like, does, is there one method that's superior or is it about like finding the one that works for you?
1: Oh my gosh. This is like, I love, this is a softball question. I love it. Okay. Just mm, I'm gonna <laughs> eat it up. Um, yeah. So it, it's first of all, like the people who go online and they're like, use this method. Cause it's the best one. It's like what that's speaking to. And what, what I think is really interesting about that is that every woman who likes her method, it's very personal, right? It's like the most personal part of her life. It's like, who it's who she is as a woman, like written out in a bunch of biomarkers, right? Um, so it's very understandable that she's a big cheerleader for it because it works so well for her, right? But we make this mistake in a lot of different areas, not just fertility awareness. I've had people cram prayers and books down my throat and I'm like, I don't care for those at all. Like, I'm glad that they worked for you, but <clears throat> anyway... <laughs> But we have to take this, that the difference between fertility awareness and birth control is that fertility awareness gives you actual options. There are three different categories of methods, symptom hormonal, sympto thermal, and mucus only. And within those categories, there are, I could name off 10 different methods under those subcategories, right? Um, with birth control, you really don't have options. You have options on dosage level and the way that it's administered. But that's really it. Functionally, it does the same thing. It shuts off communication between your brain and your ovaries. Okay, that's essentially how it works. So the beauty of fertility awareness as an alternative to birth control is in the very fact that you have options. And, and one of the things that we have to remember is There are no two women who are the same. And so how can we say that one method is the best for every woman? Because every woman is completely unique and her situation is completely unique. So what I, I have, I love Marquette. I absolutely love it. But when I tell people that I love Marquette, I tell them why. Okay. So I have, I have previously used, Symptothermal, and I have also used Creighton, and now I use Marquette. Don't get me started on that story; that's a whole other podcast. Um, But so I, I am very opinionated about my love of Marquette. But I'm like, here's why I didn't like those methods. This doesn't mean that they're bad methods, but I want to tell you why I didn't like them because that actually might be why you would love that method, or that might be a reason why that wouldn't be a good method for you. So let me explain to you not just this method, but why I like it. My personality, it it works with my lifestyle. It works for my fertility needs. Um, you know, it, it's, it's good for my mental health, right? <laughs> I mean, like I just, you know, there's something beautiful and sanity saving about having a computer. Tell me when my fertile window is instead of me <laughs> having to figure it out on my own. Right. Like, it's like, I have a scapegoat and it's marvelous and I love it. But, um, you know, like I said, uh, with Fanbase, my co-founder, Mary, um, she is a Creighton practitioner. She used Creighton to help her diagnose endometriosis. So she and I have a very different, um, uh, oh shoot. I just blanked. Wow. Anyway. Um, she has a very different relationship with NFP for her. It's, it's solved problems, Mm -hmm. right? It's solved severe pain and, and it gave her answers for me. NFP created a crud ton of problems (laughs) so so it's funny like through our conversations together like she um but it's been good because I never thought about a situation where NFP could actually be beneficial or improve someone's life right and she never thought that NFP could be something that could make somebody's life worse so we've helped each other kind of see these other sides of things and um yeah, I the, the method wars are stupid and they need to stop. Like, it's just like, and I understand where they come from. And that's why I kind of wanted to start there. Like, I think it's coming from a good place. But you have to understand, again, that just because it works for you doesn't mean it works for everyone. And I think as Catholics, we shy away from this, you know, moral relativism. But we kind of look at everything as like, well, there has to be a best version. Otherwise it's relative. It's like, well, no, this is an area that like literally has to be relative and it's okay that it is like, it should be. And it's fine. It's not moral. It's just science. It's cool. It's fine. (laughs) Calm down.
0: You know, what's funny is so, um, well, this is actually not funny. So I have had both your experience of surprise NFP baby. Um, I get it. If you are practicing NFP, all babies are NFP babies. However, When you have an unexpected baby come about because you were using NFP and you weren't planning to try to achieve pregnancy, that's what I mean when I say an NFP baby. So anyways, but I've had both the surprise and the I need help, something's wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. I experienced two miscarriages after my first was born and it was through using NFP and with um, NAPRO from my OB that I was able to deduce that I had too much estrogen and was able to regulate that through church approved fertility treatment. And I really do think like, that's why I have my second daughter because I was not going to get pregnant with her until my body was healed from the problem. Um, and so now I'm so grateful that I have, you know, I have four healthy children. The fourth is still growing, but I've got four healthy children at the moment. So like, yes, this is good, um, and it's exciting to me. So like, that's this is one of the reasons why I love NFP, and I also simultaneously despise
1: it's it. work. It's hard. It's work, and and I think that the thing we have to we have to remember is and this you know, this might be a good way to kind of like tie a bow on, on everything that we've said is that we live in a fallen world, Mm -hmm. right? And even these amazing things are going to be burdensome because we live in a fallen world. NFP is hard because marriage is hard. Right. It's because life is hard, because striving for holiness is hard, because all of these things are hard, because we live in a fallen world, because we're sinners. We're trying to be perfect, but we screw it up. You know, like this is just this is just life. It's just part of life. And I think that, you know, whenever we look at NFP versus our other options, however immoral they may be, um, the question is, what are you what are you willing to give up? Because no matter what choice you make, you're going to be giving something up. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you get on birth control, like, okay, but you're going to be giving up some things. You're going to be giving up a healthy libido. You're going to be giving up a healthy, like a whole body system. You're going to be giving up that deeper intimacy that's kind of mysterious and inexplicable, right? Like, I mean, you're going to be giving some things up no matter what choice you make. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, what? what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to work for? What do you, what matters? And that's, I mean, that's really the question before us here. It's not, it's not, well, I just want to make it easy and I want to make it fun and I don't want to have any consequences. It's like, no, they're going to be consequences. It's just, which ones do you want? That's it.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. So I'm going to let you go in
0: just a second, but I want to end with a very funny. I live in a Catholic bubble story. And this one will actually make you laugh.
1: Um, okay. <laughs>
0: there, I'm calling up the underwear story from high school. Not. That I just want to go back to these people and be like, did that actually happen to you? <laughs> like, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. She must have had a whole lot of sexual baggage in her past to be talking right. about that. But anyways, I okay. the <laughs> this to be talking about, um, me living in my Catholic bubble. So I was talking with my small group book club friends about different NFP methods. And I was like, you know what? Like everybody talks about Marquette, but Creighton, helped me although I've used simple thermal for years except for when I stopped uh, for a minute and got pregnant but anyways like I was like okay so I kind of want to understand like the difference between Marquette and Creighton so I googled Marquette versus Creighton and totally was surprised when a basketball score came up because of course (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we played each other and I was laughing at myself so hard I was like I can't believe that like that is the epitome of I live in a total catholic bubble sometimes because I was like oh Marquette versus Creighton like what's the difference I'll totally find out if I google and no I found a basketball score they are universities yes yes <laughs> 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 Your algorithm is wrong for Catholic women, <laughs> but especially when it comes to fertility awareness based methods. Really That's, wrong. <laughs> that is- Hysterical! You're
1: like, oh, okay, all right. This is
0: a joke. That was real. Okay. I <laughs> came downstairs and I told my husband. He was just like, he loves sports, and like that's totally what he would have thought of if so. it's like if he'd been googling Marquette versus Creighton, he would have thought like, oh, I'm looking for a score. But wow. no, not me. I was looking for information about fertility based, you know, fertility awareness based methods. So it was. Love it. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Emily. This was so me. fun, and I just so appreciate your willingness to shed light on what can be a hard topic, because so often, Catholic
1: women don't know how to talk about it, and like, we yeah. should. It's and they hard. don't know that they can talk about it. That's the worst part, is that they, you know, we just, we have this under, you know, it's, it's dirty. It's like, no, it's beautiful. God invented this. There's nothing dirty about this at all. So <laughs> yeah, That's right. but thank you so much for having me. I love this. This, I could talk about this all day. I could talk about this for another hour. I won't. But I could. <laughs> uh, and I would still have more to say anyway. I so appreciate it. Um, where can people follow you and find you? Yeah. So I'm at totalwine.com is my blog wine with an H. Um, and then Instagram, I do a lot on there. So it's at total wine then underscore after total wine, um, fan base where, uh, like I said, we're building the website. Um, but you can catch us on Instagram. We actually are starting an email list. So if you actually, you can go to totalwine.com the, uh, website up at the top or the post up at the top you can get to our email list from there or you can get to it from Instagram um yeah I think that covers it great (laughs) well
0: thank you so much for sharing that I so appreciate it yeah to say regarding a Catholic sex talk for women part two you can find Emily on Instagram and at her blog which she shared at the end of the episode I'm so looking forward to keeping in touch with Emily and seeing all the things that she is going to be creating because she is on a mission and there is going to be an amazing amazing database an amazing bunch of resources coming from her In the near future so keep in touch with her Emily I'll be keeping in touch with you and my dear sisters if we talked about things that made you feel uncomfortable in this episode please ask yourself why and then think about your own relationship with sexuality oftentimes this relationship is disordered because of the way we were taught what can you do to dismantle the lies that maybe you have believed regarding sexuality and sexual pleasure inside of a marriage. I promise you, you are worth it. And you and your husband and your marriage is worth the time, the effort, the communication, and the research that you put in to learning more about authentically wholesome Catholic sex. Until next time, may you feel as love.